Bibles, open them up to John 14, 12. Want to welcome the visitors here today, those who returned, hallelujah. Want to welcome those watching over the internet around the world. Glory to God. We are going to begin with John chapter 14, verse 12. Just one verse. My Bible, it's in red. That means Jesus is doing the speaking, amen. Most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. That just blow you away or what? And greater works, whoa, man, can it get any better? And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now, go down the road a little bit there in the New Testament to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. And I want to look at one verse, verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says this, For we are God's fellow workers. Say fellow workers. Oh, that's good. You are God's field. You are God's building. You know, everywhere Jesus went in his earthly ministry, he preached he proclaimed, and he taught about, and he demonstrated the kingdom of God. Did you know that? That's what Jesus preached. There's scripture, Jesus said, come on, i got to go to other cities also and preach the kingdom of God. When the kingdom of God is present among us, or in a place, there will always be a demonstration of the power of God. Say demonstration. Now, that does include, obviously, you know, there can be miracles, there can be signs and wonders, but it's not just limited to that. When I talk about the power of God, just don't limit it to those three things, all right? It also includes the conviction of sin. It includes, as a pastor or a teacher of the words up here teaching, revelation knowledge is flowing in, in your heart, Okay? Um, it, it, it also, people being just set free from bondage as they're hear, hearing the word of God. Maybe people getting stirred up with a hunger to seek God like never before. That's all included in the power of God. Amen? In a nutshell, you could say, when the kingdom of God is present, lives are being changed. Say changed. From glory to glory. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Say power. power. See, really, isn't that what unbelievers are looking for? Something real to fill the spiritual void that's on the inside of them. Can you hear the unbelievers now? Can you hear the backsliders saying, is it really true that Jesus Christ can set me free from this bondage? Can Jesus Christ truly set me free from this hopelessness? Everything Jesus did, everything that Jesus spoke on this earth was within the boundaries of the kingdom of God. And that's why he had powerful results. Yes, he's the son of God, but how many of you know he was just as human as you and I? 
He was a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, anointed with the Holy Spirit. All right? You understand that? Now listen, if you want to know what the kingdom of God should look like, then study the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you want to know what it's like, go back to the Gospels and study the life and ministry of Jesus. You see, Jesus was not only purchasing our victory over sin, victory over Satan, victory over bondage, but he was also giving us an example of how to live and an example how to minister on this earth. Amen? Do you believe it? Or am I just giving my opinion up here today? See, those same results that follow Jesus should be following us in our lives and ministry. Well, you know, Pastor, I work a secular job. No, 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 no. If you're a Christian, you have a ministry. Uh, Paul was a tent maker. We have any tent makers in here today? The same results should be following us in our lives as Christians. John four, in John 14, 12, Jesus said it. He said it himself. The works that I do, you shall be doing also. See, there's something. Jesus has something about making disciples thing. I don't know what that's all about. About multiplying himself. and he, he, Something about that. I don't know. We'll figure it out later. But we should be getting results. And so today I want to talk about this. The characteristics of of ambassadors for Jesus Christ. What are some of the characteristics that we should possess as Christians, as ambassadors? What does it mean to be an ambassador? What's our job description according to the word of God? Not according to a, a denomination, not according to a denominational creed, not, uh, you hear me? What's our job description according to to the word of the living God. Now the word ambassador. The word ambassador is defined as this. An authorized representative or messenger. Say authorized. An authorized representative or messenger. See, we as Christians are authorized. We are permitted we have the privilege of conducting kingdom business to be about our Father's business. We have a permit, and it's through Jesus Christ. You see, you got to understand something. An ambassador is backed completely, 100% by the country, come on, or kingdom that he or she represents. 100% backed. Christians, we are backed by heaven. We are backed by our creator himself. What other license of man do we need? Go out and do the work of the gospel. My, my, my. Oh, think about it. Backed completely by the kingdom of God. But listen, however, you must remember this. 
You are supposed to promote an ambassador of a country, of a kingdom, is supposed to promote the interest of the one that he or she represents. So you, as his authorized representative or messenger, you must know the heart of your leader. How can you represent someone if you don't know their heart? How can anyone in here represent me and you just met me today? Are you hearing me? As a Christian, as an ambassador for Christ, we are to proclaim and promote his message, his interest, not our own. Say, not my own. See, you stop acting as an ambassador or representative when you fail to promote the when you fail to promote the interests of the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment we as Christians step away from it promoting his message, we're no longer his ambassador, we're being our own ambassador or an ambassador for oh, I hate to say it, the enemy. Do you know what that's called? Treason. You're a traitor if you do that. <laughs> I heard that, hmm. <laughs> I like when we hear hmms. It makes people stop and think. Remember this, Christians. I got to say this right now. Being silent on an issue and not standing up for righteousness is just as bad as someone promoting, verbally promoting the things of the devil. Oh, did you, and let me say it one more time. Being silent on an issue. I've been talking about these issues a lot the last few Sundays, guys. Abortion, same-sex marriage, homosexuality. All these things that our society's facing right now. If, if you as a Christian just stay silent... That's a vote for the devil. It is. Jesus never intended for his representatives, his ambassadors, to stay silent. We need to get radical. Say radical. We need to stand up and let our voices be heard if indeed you are an ambassador for Christ. See, the Bible calls us watchmen on the wall. We are watchmen on the wall. We are not supposed to stay silent on these moral issues that we're facing in society. So as Christians, we are to promote Jesus' interests. We are to advance his interests on this earth. And that is the importance for us as Christians to spend time in the word of God and in prayer. Listen. If, you have, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's when we read and study the word of God that we gain the knowledge we need to be faithful ambassadors. That's where we get our knowledge from, the word of God. It, 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 it doesn't matter, a hill of beans, what your opinion is. To be a faithful ambassador, we need to know. We need to have some knowledge, don't we, of what it is, what what is our king in the kingdom? What does he want us to promote? What's his message? What's his, come on, moral absolutes? There are moral absolutes. It's not just 
you know, if it's not right to me, it's not right to me. If it's right to you, more power to you. No, no, there's absolutes on this earth. So it's when we read and study the word of God, we gain the knowledge we need. But friends, listen to me, knowledge is not good enough. Knowledge is not good enough. But it's when we spend time in prayer, when we truly take hold of the heartbeat of God. And that's when in prayer, we receive an impartation of passion from the Holy Ghost. Are you following me? Oh, yes. Don't, no, no, no. We need knowledge. Don't get me wrong. But we need to bathe that knowledge in prayer. And we need to get God's heartbeat on these things. Are you hearing me? We need both. We need knowledge of the will of God, but we need our hearts to be synchronized with his. Synchronized with our creator. Guys, that's how it was meant to be from the very beginning of time. I talked about it last week, created to be blessed. But our hearts need to be synchronized with his. Say synchronized. And that's when it goes from just head knowledge to becoming a driving and burning passion in our hearts. Well, pastor, that's good for you. You know what? That's your profession. You do this full time. You know what? That's not going to hold up on judgment day for anybody in the body of Christ. We are all expected to be passionate for our king. Passionate about his message. Remember, God wants your heart, which includes your emotions, your devotion to him, your everything. Everything. I said it before, I'll say it again. Christianity 101. Entry-level Christianity. Says take up the cross daily and follow Jesus. Jesus said that he only did the things that he seen his father doing. Jesus told Philip, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. How could Jesus say that? I mean, when Jesus was on this earth, he didn't literally see his father. You know where he lived a life of prayer. Oh my You want to see what the Father's doing? You want to see what Jesus would do? Get in prayer. Have a life of prayer. Why? Because that's when you're getting the heartbeat of God. Synchronized. So Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now for us as Christians, if we are truly being ambassadors for Jesus Christ, people should see Jesus living through us. For we are, come on, if you're a Christian, his body his body. You can't separate the body from the head. Jesus is the head, the Bible says. But we are his body. When people, when, when people see us, when they hear us talk as a Christian, they should be seeing and hearing Jesus through us. People should be saying, that is how Jesus would have acted in this situation. That's what Jesus would have done. We should be so confident with our lives and, and our devotion to Jesus Christ. We should say, if you see my life, you're going to see Jesus living through me. Amen. We should be that confident. We, sh- we need to be that confident. We need to be that devoted, that wholehearted. 
But we must get to know him more and more. And that's a process. It's a process. I mean, people, the, I've been in full-time ministry pastoring here for three, oh, just over three years. I've been saved for over ten now. And the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. How can anyone say that they have it all together as a Christian? Forget it. It's a process. The more, I'm telling you, the more I, I learn, the more it's like, God, oh, there, oh I, I feel like just, like I don't know anything. But you know what? That's a good place to be in. I'd rather be there than walking in pride. Amen? But the knowledge that we do know, the knowledge that we do have of him, we do indeed need to be bold about it. Don't think for one moment that humility means that you just have to cower away and, and just kind of act like a blubbering fool. You don't. If you've got light on the word of God, you speak what you know. Right? Remember, according to 1 Corinthians 3, 9, which we read, God desires a partnership with his children. Say partnership. He, he's in the partnership with us. What an awesome privilege this is. Our creator, the God of all things. Why? Because that's how he intended it from the beginning of time. Walking with him. Adam and Eve walked with him. Walked with him in the garden. Isn't that beautiful? And we can have that through Jesus Christ. So God desires a partnership. We're laborers together with him. For what? I mean, what is this main thrust here? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Yes, God wants fellowship with you and I. He wants fellowship with us. But you know what? Since the fall of man, obviously the first thing, obviously he wants fellowship. But now once we become a Christian... What, what's this thrust? What's, what's this partnering thing with God mean? What does he want us to partner with him about? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. says, therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled, bought us back, uh, to, brought us back to himself reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us, Christians, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors, authorized representatives, authorized messengers for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus. This scripture says that God has committed, committed to us Christians, the, the, the ministry, the word of reconciliation. What, what in the world does this mean? Guys, this is so important. This means that God is counting on us as Christians 
to tell unbelievers that through Jesus Christ, their sins can be washed away. And that enmity, that separation that sin has caused between God and man because of the fall is, can be removed. I said removed through Jesus Christ if they put their faith in him. When we are sharing the gospel with others, we are truly being ambassadors or representatives for Jesus. Why? Because that is God's number one priority since the fall of man. Getting people saved, born again, delivered from hell. Are you hearing me? That, say, that is, say it, the number one interest of God. Saving people from hell for eternity. See, before the fall, it just he wanted he just wanted our fellowship. That's his intent. Now, since the fall, people, I'm telling you, it's a spiritual SOS. We need to preach the gospel and see people saved from an eternity in hell, an eternity in the lake of fire. Now, think about the responsibility that's on us as Christians. It's so easy to get busy and caught up in the, uh, in the schedules of life, isn't it? We get caught up in our own thing. Why, people, I'm telling you right now, this very second, right now, someone just slipped into hell for eternity. Right now, here goes another one. All around the world, it's happening right now as I'm sitting here preaching to you guys. People's eternity depends on whether or not we are going to be obedient to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Don't think that you're not important in this process because the very word, three words, telling someone three words, Jesus loves you, could be the very thing that they need to hear to put them over on God's territory and for them to get born again. That's it. But what if you're not obedient to do that? Hell for eternity. Is that not sobering to you guys here today? I mean, even it comes down to our very lifestyle that we live as a Christian. People who call themselves Christians, they're out living like the devil The unsaved are watching them and and saying, oh yeah, a lot of power there. (laughs) You're you're doing everything that I'm doing. You're living how I'm living. Why would I want to receive Jesus? And your very testimony of your life could cause someone to stumble right in the pits of hell for eternity. That's not manipulation by Pastor James. That's reality. Reality. Don't think that hasn't happened. Happens every day. Verse 20 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. But I want you to notice something. That verse 17 tells us the requirement to truly be an effective ambassador for Christ. Are you ready for this? Verse 17 tells us this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
all things, that old man, that old man that loves sin, passed away. All things, behold, all things become new. You know, it's okay to try to raise the dead in, you know, when we're doing that. But don't raise your dead man, your dead spiritual man, the dead carnal man. Don't, don't try to resuscitate him. The Bible says in Romans 6, 11, reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God. Guys, here it comes back again to the thought life. Consider yourself as a Christian. You're just dead to sin. You're a dead man walking. But alive unto God, that is. Alive unto righteousness. Alive unto the interest of Jesus Christ. The life that you live before making Jesus the Lord of your life should not have any place in your life now. The old man should be dead, crucified with Christ. And the evidence of that should be seen in your attitude and your actions. Attitude, actions. Say attitude, actions. Say evidence. That's evidence right there. Verse 17 said, behold, all things become new. You know what the word behold means? To see. Look. 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 Behold. Behold. Oh, behold. Hey, behold. Jeremy, you're not... You're not your old man anymore. Behold, Scott, you're not your old man anymore. Your old friend should be able to behold some evidence. Oh, hallelujah. Behold. Say behold. When Jesus came walking toward John the Baptist, he said, behold the Lamb of God. Stop and look at the Lamb. There should be some evidence here. Say evidence. Dead to sin, reckon yourselves, consider yourself dead to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Now, the number one priority, like I said, or interest of God is for a person to get saved, born again, or in other words, making Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. Because listen to me, hell was never created or intended for man. The Bible says it was created for the devil and his angels. But guess what? That's the only alternative. That's the only alternative for those who, do, who refuse to receive Jesus Christ and accept the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's the only alternative because it comes down to this. Let's break it down. I want to make it real simple. You either hold on to your sins and pay the eternal price for yourself or you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and receive the eternal pardon for your sins. Oh, is that good or what? The eternal pardon. Say pardon. And not only that, but you're instantly made righteous, whiter than snow, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Instantly. And everything that belongs to God Everything that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ becomes your inheritance, the Bible says. 
Jesus said the Holy Spirit, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, is to reveal to you what belongs to God and now belongs to you through Jesus Christ. Now, is that grace or what? Going from the, the guttermost to the uttermost. Going from being an ambassador representative for Satan and evil spirits. Now, God crowns us, puts a robe of righteousness on us, and he says, now, you go out and do my work. You're part of my body. Is that not good? About ready to jump and shout up here. Okay, maybe I'm shouting a little bit, but I'm excited. Hallelujah. You see, the Apostle Paul, oh my, he was passionate to see the lost saved. When he had an encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to to Damascus, listen to what Jesus told him about his mission as an ambassador. Go to Acts Acts 26. I want to show you this. Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, you have a true encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have a heart to see the lost saved. Amen? Acts 26 16 through 18. This is Jesus speaking to the uh, Apostle Paul. But you know what? He's speaking to you and I today too because this is relevant. This statement is, it, it corresponds directly with the Great Commission. Listen to this. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which you Uh, which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Oh, I like this, verse 18. Oh, this is powerful. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified, set apart holy, made holy, by faith in me. I want to tell you this right now. The only way we as Christians can open the eyes of unbelievers and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, are you ready for this? Is to preach and proclaim the word of God. Not your opinion, The word of God. Because it's the word of God that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It goes right to the heart of the matter. Oh, hallelujah. Right to the heart of the matter. The message of the gospel. So listen, if if people aren't getting saved in church, if, if nobody's gotten saved in 20 years at a church, they're not. Preaching the gospel of Christ. And, and I really have a heart for this. Emily City, I love you. But I grew up in a church for 20 years. And I don't remember one time that anybody received Christ in that church. 20 years. Shame on them. I mean, I, the whole mission 
If, if we didn't have a mission right when we got saved, we would get beamed up, Scotty. We would be gone. All right, you're saved. Your mission is done. We're out of here. The fact is that we do have a mission. It's to get people saved. And that's the whole function of a church. Bring them in and make disciples. To make disciples to what? Just have fun and, and just, you know, just have fun and keep it all themselves, country club atmosphere. No, make disciples to go teach others also. To go get others saved. Delivered. Turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. The only power that will come against Satan is the power of the word of God. Are you hearing me? For that's what Jesus used in the temptation in the wilderness to come against Satan. He, Jesus said, for it is written. He didn't just say, well, Satan, you know my opinion, my theological disposition on this. No, he said, it is written. Well, what it says here at the back of this Psalter hymnal, what, what our denomination believes, Satan, is uh, 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 this. No. It's written. It's written. It's only the word. And it's the word of God that Satan and evil spirits tremble at. Do you understand that? Isn't that sad? It's sad that Satan and evil spirits at times have more fear of the word of God than Christians. The Bible says they tremble. What an indictment. What an indictment. See, we must shine the light of God's word in the unbeliever's darkness. The word of God is a lamp. It's a light. We must shine the light of God's word in their darkness and give the Holy Spirit something to work with in the life of the unbeliever, something that's going to prick their conscience. Are you hearing me? Something that's going to draw them to Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10 says that they can't believe. They can't even have faith for it unless there's a preacher of the word. Take your finger, Christians. Lift it up like this. And put it like, like this right here. Point at yourself. Right here. Say, I'm a preacher. Say, it doesn't matter if I'm not on the payroll at church. I'm a preacher. You are a preacher. Look at you. Because listen, we need to preach the word. It's the hearing of God's word. It's hearing God's will, really. Because the word of God is the will of God. It's hearing God's will that generates conviction on the inside of the unbeliever. And it's hearing the will of God that produces faith in the heart of the listener. Romans 10, 17, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus said, the harvest is ready. It's plentiful. In other words, there's not a lack of people out there to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know what? They're looking for him, but in all the wrong places. They're spiritually disoriented. They don't know what they're looking for, but they're looking for Jesus Christ. And they don't even know it. 
See, the, but he said the laborers are few. Say laborers are few. There's not enough. I mean, look, the words that Jesus spoke almost over 2,000 years ago are just as valid today. In the year 2008, the laborers are few. Who's going to arise and be an ambassador, a faithful ambassador for Jesus Christ? You cannot call yourself an ambassador if you don't have a desire to see the lost saved. Look at Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Oh, we all need to hear this message in the body of Christ, don't we? We all do. we got to get our thinking in line here. My goodness, there's people going to hell right now. The question is this, what am I doing about it? Am I doing anything about it? If not, what can I do about it? See, it's time to become fools for Christ. Fools for, say fool for Christ. I'll talk about that more in a moment. Proverbs 28.1 says this, The wicked flee when no one pursues but the righteous are bold as a lion. So many Christians are timid. They're cowards when it comes to speaking up about certain issues. But according to the word of God, the righteous, the ones that are convinced that the Bible is the word of God and contains the absolutes, it contains the heartbeat of God. The Bible says they, the righteous, are bold as a lion. So many Christians, they're afraid of, and they try to avoid persecution. They try to avoid rejection when sharing the gospel. They just don't want to do it because they're, you know, they're afraid to be rejected. They don't want to talk about this issue because, you know, I'll, I'll bring persecution on myself. But listen, just as sure as any other promise in the word of God, we will have persecution if you are going to live a holy life for Jesus Christ on this earth. Just as sure as any other promise. That promise is just as sure. I promise. Because Jesus said it. I mean, you know, Jesus said we'd have persecution. But it seems as if so many Christians are on a mission to always try to prove that Jesus was wrong. Oh. Listen to this. You ready for this, people? The only way, as a Christian, you will be able to avoid persecution in your life. You want to know how you can do that? You want to know if you're avoiding persecution right now, I guarantee it, you're doing this. The only way you'll avoid persecution and rejection in your life is if you take away from, water down, or be silent about the Word of God. Go ahead, do those three things. Guarantee you, you won't have a problem. You'll never have persecution. You won't have any rejection. But I'll tell you right now, you won't hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus said, if you deny me, before men, I will deny you before the angels of God. 
Think about it. Doesn't it seem like that Christians are always trying to prove Jesus wrong? Oh, Jesus, you know, we can do this without persecution. Well, sure you can. Just go ahead and start up a seeker-sensitive church. Sure, go ahead. Don't, just don't deal with any issues. Just have a country club setting, country club atmosphere. Everything will be fine. Don't, don't push the buck. Listen, in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, 20 through 21, look it up for yourself. Jesus said, he who received the seed of the word of God on stony places of the heart receives it with joy right away. But when persecution arises because of the word, immediately that person stumbles spiritually. They can't handle it. They don't want it. Jesus said the problem was this. There was no root in themselves. Jesus is talking about the condition of the heart of man. It is when tribulation and persecution arises in a person's life for the word of God's sake. That's what reveals how grounded, that's when it's revealed how grounded you are, how connected you are, how far your roots go down and connect to Jesus Christ. Are you connected enough to be hated and rejected by this world system? Are, are, you, are, are you willing to maybe have some unsafe family members never, where they don't want to talk to you for Jesus' sake? I'm telling you right now, Jesus must be first. Jesus must be first. Say first. Jesus must be above your spouse. Jesus must be above your children. Oh, well, that's pretty harsh, Pastor James. No, listen, when Jesus is first, everything falls right into line, and everyone's happy. It's when he's not first, the junk hits the fan. Have you found that out yet? See, people just, they, they, they don't comprehend that. They still want to do it their own way. But when Jesus is first, man, everything just falls right into place in the home, right into place in the marriage, right into place with the children. An ambassador, an authorized representative or messenger must be prepared and willing to be persecuted to please the one that sent him. Matthew chapter 5. Are you getting anything out of this today? Matthew chapter 5, I just, as I'm preaching this, as I'm talking about this, I really feel the heartbeat of God flowing here. Just really feel it. Hallelujah. We're hitting a bullseye in the realm of the Spirit here. Uh, Matthew 5, 10 through 12, listen to this. This is Jesus doing the speaking. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. 
Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Oh, I like that. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus said taking persecution for the sake of the gospel, come on, is a blessing. It's a blessing. And if we view it any other way, you need to renew your mind because you've just taken hold of man, man thoughts. Say man thoughts. man thoughts. Fleshly thoughts. You're not dead yet. If you care what other people think, you're not dead yet. Because a dead person doesn't care. Are you dead yet? Are you dead yet? So he, Jesus said rejoice. Because you're advancing the kingdom of God. You're dismantling Satan's kingdom. You're trying to, come on, you're trying to take what's upside down in this world and you're trying to turn it right side up for me. After all, the word of God calls us Christians soldiers. Like that song, Onward Christian Soldiers. Come on. And listen, a soldier doesn't look for acceptance from those who are trying to stop them from carrying out their mission. Hello. I mean, wouldn't it just be kind of strange seeing a soldier, you know, they got their gun, they're ready to roll, and the enemy comes up to them, and, uh, you know, the enemy says, hey, you know, stop right there. Okay, thanks for the tip. Yeah, Yeah, I'll just walk this way then. No, a soldier is focused on his mission. And he's got to get the mission done, the mission accomplished. A, like I said, a soldier, i got to say it again, a soldier does not look for acceptance from those who are trying to stop and prevent them from carrying out their mission. And listen, if there's resistance, if there's persecution, the soldier is doing something right. You are a big enough threat as a Christian to Satan and evil spirits to cause them to react against you. And if you're not, if there's no resistance in your life, I question if you're really doing the work of the gospel. Jesus said, you will be persecuted. You will be. So you know what? Here it goes. Sorry, guys. Comes back to the thought life. Just mentally prepare yourself. Just prepare yourself. I'm going to get persecution. Guys, because as a Christian, the Bible says we're pilgrims on this earth. This isn't our home on this earth. Heaven is. We're in enemy's territory. We're going to get persecuted. We're trying to go against this evil stuff. Amen? Amen? 2 Timothy 1, or 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Says this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's that discipling thing again. I just, it's important. <laughs> Three, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There it is. 
No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, this world system, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. See, the Bible says we are to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you right now, if the Bible says to endure hardship, that must mean we are going to have hardship. It wouldn't tell us to endure if we weren't going to have it or if we could avoid it. The only way you can avoid it is, like I said, water down the message, take away from the message, or be silent about the message. There is spiritual warfare going on, and we're in a battle for souls on this earth. Do you understand that? We're in a battle. Anything God desires is and will be contended by Satan and evil spirits. Don't take off your spiritual armor that's found in Ephesians chapter 6. Don't. We got too many spiritual streakers in the body of Christ. They're running around with no armor, they naked. Get some clothes on, get the spiritual armor on, and keep it on in Jesus' name. See, a good soldier endures hardship. So a bad soldier must not endure hardship. He gives in to the flow of the world system. A good soldier endures hardships. He or she doesn't give up, but continues to carry on with the mission. Verse 4 Quickly says that no one engaged in warfare entangles himself, puts himself in bondage with the affairs of this life. In other words, being a good soldier of Jesus Christ demands your full attention and separation from the evil that's in this world. It doesn't suggest it, it demands it. So don't entangle yourself with things of the world that will hinder your effectiveness as a Christian. Keep Jesus and the Word of God at the center, very center of your life. Allow the Word of God to direct your life. Not this world system. Why? Verse 4 tells us why we need to do this. That we may please Him. In other words, anything, anything that we do where we don't endure the hardship... If we entangle ourselves with this life, we won't please the master. We won't please the king. Last scripture, Luke 10, 19. Someone needs to hear this. I ha- had to throw this in here. Luke 10, 19, very popular passage. Jesus said, said this to his disciples. He said, behold, I give you the authority or the lawful right to act, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus has given us authority over Satan and evil spirits. How many of you know that? And listen, we have the freedom. We have the freedom to use that authority any time we need it. Anytime. See, it's like a business owner giving authority to a manager. It's delegated authority. If a situation arises, that manager has the authority without having a meeting with the owner. 
That manager just takes care, care of business because the owner gave authority to that manager. Does that make sense to you? What's my point? Christians, use the name of Jesus against the enemy. Be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. If a situation arises, uh, if a situation arises in your, your marriage, your family, you know you're under demonic attack, people, use the name of Jesus. Well, you know, I, I just got to have this confirmation. Three people's got to call me on the phone and tell me I need to do this. No, use the name of Jesus. Well, you know, if I see someone walking down the street with a flag on their shirt, red, white, and blue, that tells me I'm going to have to do this. That's God giving me that, that fleece. Hello. Use the name of Jesus. It's been delegated to us. And use it. It's time for Christians to stand up and get off your blessed assurance and preach, teach, and demonstrate the kingdom of God to a lost and dying world. Are you hearing me? It's a must that we promote his interest and that we synchronize our heartbeat with the heart of God so we can truly be effective laborers together with him. It's time to be faithful ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you agree, let's stand up in this place. And if you're sitting down, you're going to get a spanking after service. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll get you saved then. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus Hallelujah. The work of the kingdom is waiting for you and I to go out and be laborers together with him. Now, maybe there's someone in this place. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You're on borrowed time. You don't know when you're going to take your last breath, and you're playing Russian roulette with your life. Well, I'll do it later. I'll do it on my deathbed. You know what? That's foolish. And you could find yourself waking up in the pits of hell for eternity. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come forward today. And I want to pray with you to have a new birthday. The new birth experience. Get born again. Make Jesus Lord of your life today. Let down your pride. Quit being your own God. Come back to the Creator. Come back to the Creator. The one who created you for fellowship with Him. And become a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Amen. Maybe there's someone in here. You made Jesus Lord of your life in the past. You've fallen away. You're, you're in such a backslidden condition. Frankly, you don't know if you died right now. That the angels of God would come and take your spirit man to heaven for eternity. If you don't know that, you need to get up here now. And let's just settle it. Let's rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's start brand new. He's a God of new beginnings. He's not mad at you. He wants you to come back to him. Come back. Come back. Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It's not Pentecostal. It's not charismatic. It's Bible. Say Bible. You've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. In fact, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power to be witnesses for me. Power. Say power. Jesus was telling us, you need the Holy Ghost baptism. You need everything that I have for you to be a effective, an effective laborer for me. That means if you don't, you're running at 
or whatever. You're not at full, your full potential that God has for you. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, come forward today. Maybe you need prayer for healing, deliverance. What is it? What is it? What is it you need prayer for today? I want you just to come forward. Turn the music up and you praise the Lord. Worship the Lord. And let's become good soldiers for Jesus Christ.
sickness, disease in your body, we come against it in the name of Jesus. I say Satan and every evil spirit, you loose them in the name of Jesus right now. Come out of them now. Every sickness and disease, come out of them right now. And we loose the anointing of the Holy Ghost through your body, through that organ, in Jesus' mighty name right now. Hallelujah. You just rejoice. Katie, come on up here. You can just keep the music going. Hallelujah. Katie is going back to college, right? Oh, oh yeah, right. Not, she's going back to Colorado to teach. She's been with us for a while. She's Jan and Gary Albert's niece. So we're going to pray for her. She's going back. You're going to keep in touch with us, right? All right. Right over that camera, right? We're going to be streaming so you can watch us sometime. Stretch your hand toward Katie right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, I just pray since she's been here at RCC... Every word that she has heard, I pray, oh hallelujah, I pray that the words would soak deep down in her spirit, that the foundation would be strengthened, Lord, and that which is built upon it, Lord God, would be strong, and that she would truly be an ambassador for Jesus Christ as she goes to Colorado. Lord, everyone in her sphere of influence, I pray she would light fires of revival in the hearts of those people. 
And that, yes, the prophetic gifting would be stirred up in her. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost on this one. Lord, stir up that prophetic gifting on the inside of her. Let her never be the same, Lord. And give her safety. Protection as she goes, travels. And as she's there, Lord God, let her never be the same. Let her light that fire for Jesus Christ. A, an authorized representative. An authorized representative. Messenger for Jesus Christ. We send her to Colorado. Filled with the Holy Ghost and power in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Go, glory. Woo. Yes. Whoa, glory to God. Woo. Oh, my goodness. I, I think we're just getting started in here already. But, uh, oh, my. Listen, a couple of announcements here. What do we got? Jan Alber puts some of these, I believe, on the back information booth. Uh, pro-life voter ballot. We need to know who is pro-life. Anti-abortion, anti-murder. Amen? And these will be on the back there. And uh, you can stop the recording on the audio, if you would. You can keep the internet going. But listen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.